0: Good morning and thank you for tuning in for another episode of Dee's Diary. (laughs) I ask that you go ahead and get comfortable so that we can begin chapter one of the childhood series. Dear Diary, a few months ago I had a chance to interview my parents about some of my childhood memories. Some of which I have no recollection of or obvious reasons such as an inability to know what's going on in the world while still in the womb, and the fact that for some the first two to three years of life seem to be a complete blur, I guess in a way that could be a good thing, so that one is not held accountable for their actions during the quote, terrible two phase. (laughs) I will begin with a little history, which took place way before I was introduced to the world. Some of you who know me may already be aware that I was born in a small West African nation known as the Republic of Liberia or sometimes referred to as the boot of West Africa because of its shape. Or sometimes when Liberians are attempting to show patriotism, we simply yell, (laughs) L-I-B! Let me go ahead and get my composure back. See, the history of Liberia is an interesting one, having deep-rooted connections to the United States of America. The information I am about to provide about the country's history will be brief and somewhat vague, but if you do desire to further your knowledge about her history, I would recommend you utilize the services of your local library, Google resources, and other books with titles pertaining to the history of Liberia. The following summary has been gathered from a variety of historical books I have read, documentary videos on YouTube, as well as some biographical recollection from native Liberians' point of view. When the United States was in the process of deciding whether or not they would get out of the business of slavery, they had to come up with a plan on what would become of the hundreds of thousands of slaves once they were free. Some questions had to be answered, questions such as, What land would be available to give freed slaves? And how close in proximity would the freedmen be located? That specific question arising from fears of slave masters not wanting to mix with Negroes. Ironic, isn't it? And also, what if slaves gathered and decided to seek revenge? With so much logistics needed to accomplish their political agenda, they began looking for empty land in the Western region of the United States. That came to a halt real quick, when some Americans opposed because they felt Western United States was still too close for comfort for slaves to be living there. The U.S. tried to build migration partnership with the Spanish, British, and French that still had a hold on the Caribbean islands, but much of their effort wasn't bearing any fruit. So they began sending out colonizers to find land all over in order to be prepared to have a place to ship the freedmen if the United States' political agenda to free slaves came into fruition. They landed in an area of West Africa with rich soil, natural resources, and a lot of land to build on. And the climate was tropical. Yeah. First, let me note this before I continue. Because history has a tendency to make colonization seem as if no other people existed on the land prior to the colonizer's arrival and that it was because of said colonizer that life now exists in that region. People already existed in that region. They had their own way of life, and the land belonged to them. Unfortunately, all this was also going on during the time when certain countries around the world had taken it up upon themselves to pizza-split the continent of Africa for the benefit of their individual nation. A decision that, to this day, the continent is still bleeding from. But that region was the only area in West Africa that had not been colonized by those nations. I just want to go ahead and make sure to note that the land where the American colonizations arrived had people on it, and the land belonged to the natives of that region. Okay, so back to the story. So the colonizers landed in that region, talked to the natives and promised that they would trade this and that with them and pay them this amount for the land and whatnot. Other times, they simply threatened the natives. Some history books shows that the colonizers never kept their end of the bargain. Go figure. Such threats only had a bearing because the colonizer had military weapons, such as guns, and natives did not. That's an important fact to note, because to this day, there is still a certain degree of malice between different tribes in Liberia because of that history between the natives and the newly arrived freed slaves. If you ever get a chance to read up on history, you'll be able to get more in-depth info. The American colonizers, whose job it was to travel a far and find land for the soon-to-be free slaves, were a part of a group known as the American Colonization Society. That's the name that's often heard when history speaks about Liberia having been colonized. So they decided that region would be a good area for the soon-to-be free slaves and they took word back to the United States, and the process began. Fast forward, human beings were set free in the U.S. and were offered free transportation to this new, free land with so much promises from the American Colonization Society. Some slaves accepted the offer and went to the new region via ships. Others said no and encouraged others to say no as well because they believed America was just as much their home as it was the whites and that America was built on the back of the black people So they weren't leaving. The ones who got to the new region soon realized it wasn't all it was promised to be. Some fell ill on the journey to Liberia, others fell ill to tropical sicknesses that sometimes took their life, some could not handle the climate, and others lost their life during disputes and conflicts between the new arrivals and the natives. Long story short, Free slaves arrived in this new region and tried to make a life. If you look up some towns and cities, even counties in Liberia, many of them have similar names to those of towns, cities, and counties in the United States. The flag is also similar in color, being red, white, and blue, but with only one star, known as the Lone Star, Liberia's Star. All that history I just presented was necessary, not only for you to understand some of the causes of Liberia's tribal conflicts, which has contributed to some of the situations the country finds itself in today, which may be addressed in later chapters. But explaining the history was also necessary because I found out that I am a descendant of some of those free slaves from the United States. Some of my great-grandparents were among the free slaves who decided they wanted To enjoy freedom somewhere other than the United States. And my other grandparents, they were natives. It would have been nice to meet them and ask some in-person questions. Hmm. Well, such is life. I unfortunately didn't get to know my grandparents either. Some passed away before I was born and others who saw me after birth. I don't really have a solid memory of them because I either didn't grow up around them, or even if I saw them a few times, I didn't get to build lasting memories with them. Okay, so now we get to me. So my dad met my old lady, and they had my older sister first. And a little while after that, I was on the way. The year I was due, 1990, a civil war was going on in Liberia. A coup of some sort was taking place. Whatever the true cause of that civil unrest at that time, Only Liberia's political leaders, the rebel leaders, and the foreign leaders involved will ever really know. But the country had a curfew. There was fear everywhere. About three weeks or so before I was due, my mom went for a checkup at the hospital. They told her her blood was deathly low, and if the issue wasn't taken care of, it could be dangerous for both mother and child. A friend of the family recommended she double up on eating some potato greens. Please Google it if you desire more information about the Greens. And within two weeks, her blood levels was up to par. So on the night of September 1st, 1990, she started to have contractions. As I noted earlier, the whole country was on a curfew, so there was no way to really get to the hospital. So according to both of my parents' historical account, my granddad, my dad's dad, offered to deliver me if it came down to it. Both of my parents instantly rejected. (laughs) The thing was, my granddad was a mortician of some sort, so he had experience with bodies. Dead bodies. Not the living ones. With that being said, I guess they found him a bit unqualified to offer such a service. I feel like if I had a personality in the womb, I would imagine myself saying something along the lines of, Nah, go ahead with all that, Grandpa. I'm trying to come into the world. I ain't trying to leave just yet. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, right. Needing to go to the hospital. It was very dark outside, and being that people didn't have access to a generator, electricity was not present in most neighborhoods. As far as in the house, we had candles, lanterns providing light. We had a few soldiers that lived near us, so my dad went outside and banged on their doors to see if someone could assist with getting him and my old lady to the hospital. He eventually found one and the soldier came to the house and he and my parents started walking to the hospital. While on the way, a military pickup truck passing, I saw them and the soldier told them to take my parents to the hospital. Because of the curfew in place, the hospital wasn't trying to let anyone in, but eventually a nurse opened up and let them in. See, nurses always saving the day, aren't they? As I began to exit the womb, the doctor realized the umbilical cord was around my neck. So he had to go and turn me around and as I was coming out, found a way to cut the cord so it wouldn't choke me. Eventually, little old me entered this big, unpredictable, unknowing world. Because it was wartime, Hospitals weren't offering all that maternity ward hospitality. You give birth, sleep a little bit, and you have to chuck the deuces. And my parents weren't an exception to that reality. So a few hours after I was born, my parents held their newborn baby, walked to the entrance of the hospital and exited the building. As they stood out front of the hospital, neither of them were truly aware. That Liberia as they knew it. The little world they had been living in. And life overall as they knew it. Would never again be the same. So they looked at one another and held their newborn baby tight. And with their heart beating, fear yelling within. They took their first step. into a new world that no one would have been able to get them prepared for. So this concludes chapter one of the childhood series. Be sure to tune in next week, Monday for chapter two. Until next time, diary.